Well, you can make the case that they should have won seven out of seven against the Yankees and Red Sox, and they won two. First off, the old school emojis are called emoticons. But um, I thought the emoticons were a transformer. I'm so confused. If you have the lead and you give up a run, you get to keep playing. And welcome to episode number 209 of Artificial Turf Wars. And we've looked it up, and it turns out we are actually obligated to discuss this team at this time. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the hair-raising Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? I'm good. You're doing better than the Blue Jays. My hair is very raised, actually, because I haven't had a haircut in like six months. But oh, Yeah, I am, I've am. i decided that I, I don't think I'm Doctor Strange, but my hair thinks it's Doctor Strange's hair, so... <laughs> we're gonna go. <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk about the Blue Jays as much as uh, it 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 doesn't seem to be a topic that's gonna please either of us too much. Uh, the Jays have no discernible bullpen, and it's been killing them this week. But that's not the only thing that's been killing them. Um, however, to be fair, Ross Stripling and the rest uh, has been been really good. Like, wow, where did he come from? Uh, and the rest of the rotation has been quite serviceable. The Jays called up Taylor Saucedo. And Jared Hoying and Anthony Kay is back, and I don't, I don't think it's actually helped. But you know, we'll talk about all those guys. Uh, Grichuk may have finally entered the pumpkin phase of 2021. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. They keep saying he's coming around, but his OPS still under 700. Uh, the Blue Jays ran into a triple play. I'd say they hit into a triple play, but they really tried hard to run into it. We got to talk about that. And George Springer. Uh, the rumors of his demise have been greatly exaggerated. We also have your questions, and we have a do-over for Charlie Montoyo, who may or may not understand how the run scoring and the winning and the losing of games goes in extra innings. <laughs> we probably have to discuss. Uh, let's start with the painful process of the Blue Jays having no bullpen. I, I was worried last week, Josh, when I said, hey, I can't figure out how they're going to get like 12 outs when the starter leaves. I'm, I'm scared now. Uh, they have uh, half one useful count on like trustworthy <laughs> reliever. I mean, At, well, here's the trick: they have one useful reliever, but on on a given night, it might not be Jordan Romano. It might be some other random guy, and Jordan Romano will not be reliable. <laughs> no, yeah. Romano is usually reliable. The issue, I mean, so. We've talked about this before, but it reared his ugly head. It's ugly head. The last time he pitched, he came in with a runner on first, and immediately the runner stole second base and then scored. Yep. And it was a that was the winning run. <laughs> so like, he's really, really good at getting batters out, but he does have a fatal flaw if runners reach base. And that, like, when he's the only reliever you can even trust a little bit, that's kind of a problem. Yeah. Especially, you know, that's the high leverage situation is the one where that runner on base is important. Um, almost every time they are they are the key to the game and they're on second or third base. I, yeah, I I don't know what the answer for that is. Like, I feel like a slide step is not not impossible to teach a guy on the fly. It has been done before. I hope they are at least experimenting with that, you know, in his bullpen sessions. Uh, the rest of the bullpen, holy Hannah, Tyler Chatwood, 
had it one inning this week and then did not have anything that any other time they tried to go to him, I think, if I if I remember correctly. I mean, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of avoiding anything after the sixth. Well, if you say, if you only watch the first six innings of the games, the Jays are doing great. <laughs> uh, the last two times he's pitched, both against the Yankees, Tyler Chatwood didn't allow a base runner. Oh, okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And then that led immediately into either uh, Carl Edwards Jr. or maybe – Tim Mesa being handed a pot of boiling water to spill all over himself or um yeah who 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 is the worst of the worst here who actually needs to not be on this team at all is it possible to like call the worst reliever off of the roster who the worst one i mean that's <laughs> uh, Jeez, it's a, it's a. I mean, right now it's Anthony Castro, but uh, it's not a good unit. Uh, they're all pretty bad. I mean, C.J. Edwards or Carl Edwards Jr. is also on the sixty-day IL. All of a sudden, that just sort of happened. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. I didn't even know he was injured. <laughs> he was moved <laughs> to the sixty-day sixty-day IL. I think that's just the "we're not going to release you" kind of thing, and I don't know why they didn't just release him, but. Yeah, I mean, Dolis, he can't feel things in his hands, so he's on the IL. Uh, I guess Meza is the second best guy. I don't know, but the worst guy, it's a tie between a few of them. So even in the we don't like these guys list, they continue to get injured. Like, amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, like, yeah. the, the emergency call-ups – you know, AJ Cole and Carl Edwards Jr. It's like they're both on the 60-day IL. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> I think what the hell is like the theme of the week. I, I don't know why. So I understand that the Blue Jays are are not going to go and, and magically get a closer or, or whatever else. But seeing other teams make a move for a serviceable reliever and yes you're going to give up some kind of mid-level prospect or two to get a you know a proven reliever the you know the equivalent of a healthy rafael dolis um what where is that move like we, we we're i think we're two weeks into hey you don't actually have enough arms to fill this bullpen and we haven't seen anything but this continuous strain of call up. So we're down to Anthony Kay now as a reliever, which we don't hate. You and I briefly touched on that. No, I think he can be useful. I mean, so obviously there's Romano, and then they, they you know, who knows what you're going to get out of Chatwood, maybe good, maybe bad. But they did finally bring Patrick Murphy back, and I've commented on how I like him being in the bullpen. And then Kay could be a useful guy out of the pen. You know, I, I just. But it's like, where's Hatch? Where's Pearson? Where's, I don't know, Brian Baker? Yeah, they go throws 100 miles an hour. It's like, I, I just don't get the lack of urgency, for lack of a better word, to fill the bullpen. I mean, it's not like you really have to worry about having to cut Jeremy Beasley from the roster. I mean, he's <laughs> terrible. You know, it's like these guys that are were never supposed to be on the roster in the first place. Why does it matter if you have to get rid of them? Yeah. Yeah. And and th that is the thing is the urgency. The clock 
is ticking on this team. This was this was potentially a playoff team, and every time the bullpen blows a game, that 162nd of a season disappears, and you can't get that back. And the Jays were, I think they were four games above 500, and they are now one game below, two games below. Um, yeah. And yes, they get to play the Orioles. Big whoop. Um, that even now, if they run the table against the Orioles, it does not put them back into playoff contention. They have to do so well, much more for so much longer. Yeah, no, they do. They are entering the part of their straight schedule where they can actually make up some ground there. They should be able to, they have their next 10 games are Orioles, Mariners, Orioles. So, you know, you should win eight of those or seven at least, but you know, the bad, bad part is all these blown games were against Tampa, Boston, New York. Yep. For those Here. paying attention, those are the three teams ahead of the Blue Jays in the standings. And, you know, those are the games you have to win when you're winning them so that you can, you know, make up real ground in the games against the other, the bad teams. You lose those games against the teams ahead of you, it just makes it that much harder to catch them. Yeah, you lose a game every time, like use the game in the standings against someone ahead of you every time that that happens. That's when you have control over your position in the standings. Absolutely. Um, and now, sure, you can beat the Orioles 7 out of 10. But every night you might turn around and find out that Boston won and Tampa won. So you, you get nothing. Yep. Uh, urgency, folks. Uh, we'll talk probably about Charlie Montoyo in the question section and also in the do-over. And then we'll talk about urgency. Uh, however, we discovered that Ross Stripling, with one simple trick, uh, batters hate him. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Well, we, we talked about confidence level in certain pitchers, and I expressed more confidence in Ray and Matt's being good this year than Stripling, despite Stripling's track record being better than both of theirs, or at least better than Matt's. Um, well, Ray and Matt's have both been pretty good, and now Stripling is pretty good. Um, his last five starts... Well, I guess one of them wasn't a start, but he pitched seven innings out of the bullpen, so he may as well count that. He's thrown 29 in the third innings, and he's given up eight earned runs, which is a 2.45 ERA, and he struck out 29 batters. And I, I, he's just been doing a really good job. And, and his last two start outings, the one against Boston, he gave up four earned runs, but that's because he left with two runs in, and Tyler Chatwood went hit batter, walk wild pitch, hit batter to let two runs in. Which, when you so, say it real fast, doesn't sound like a remarkably stupid thing to do, but it is. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, and then and then in the most recent one against the Yankees, he gave up that two-run homer to Gary Sanchez in the seventh when, with a competent bullpen, he's probably not pitching at that point. So yeah. he's been great. He's a true revelation and really stabilized the rotation. Even while Matz is on the COVID IL, it's not really a worry at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And, and again... Um, <clears throat> The rest of the rotation, as you alluded to, has been... Hyunjin Ryu has not behaved like an ace. Um, hasn't super mattered because the Blue Jays have not been able to score a ton of runs in those starts. Robbie Ray, I'm looking at his ERA right now. It's 3.38. Uh, well, it's a little higher now because uh, I see in-play runs. But um, that's fine. I I'll take a 3.38 ERA and, and a guy who strikes out a ton of people doesn't walk anybody. Like... Those pieces are all there going forward into the season, and these are all guys who can throw, you know, 180 innings. So, and all guys I would hand the ball to in a playoff start 
if I had to. Great. It seems like you're wasting a perfectly good four-man rotation um, by having nothing to back it up in the bullpen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. It's like it just they, they're in really tough shape right now, and we got to hope that at some point they can make the right – moves pick up the right guys to you know salvage this because it like the team is there right like the, the it's very clear that when they're not blowing leads they're a good team like they should have won well you can make the case that they should have won seven out of seven against the yankees and red sox and they won two yep so yeah it's it, it's something that can be fixed and hopefully they do absolutely uh so let's talk they called up uh, Taylor Saucedo, who spells Taylor T-A-Y-L-E-R, which I've never seen before, um, who debuted on his birthday, which was very nice. Who is this guy? What is he going to do? They hope. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I don't really know what to say to that. I mean, you know, Taylor Saucedo is... He's been in the system for a little bit. He's, you know, he's a, a prospect, and he was called up actually earlier. I'm surprised they didn't use him in that blowout when they beat the crap out of the Red Sox to give him his first taste. But, uh, you know, he was doing really well in the minors. He, he had 21 strikeouts and 16 appearances or 16 innings across 10 appearances, only two walks. Which, you know, with this Jays bullpen, he's a he's a decent reliever. He throws mid 90s with a sinker and a decent slider and and a curveball, but. You know, he's also 28 years old, so he's not a guy that was a high ceiling pitcher. This is just sort of their any port in the storm kind of thing. Which I guess Jared Hoying is the next. Uh, you you refer to him as a totally real person who actually exists. Yeah, well, this is where the Jays are in the moment. So um, the reason he's on the roster is because Tiazza Hernandez is on the paternity list. Taylor Hoying is 32 years old. Jared Hoying, rather, is 32 years old. He hasn't played in the majors since 2017 when he was bad with the Rangers. I didn't even know that the Jays had him. <laughs> and you know, um, you know these yeah, things. He did well. He was playing well in Buffalo or in Trenton, I guess. But like this just shows the state of where the Jays are right now. This guy's on the roster. He's only going to be here for a couple days just to give them another bat, but... Yeah, it's not not a good situation at the moment. Uh, and then I think we touched on Anthony Kay from the bullpen. Did you want to go more into why Anthony Kay in the bullpen is uh, not the worst idea in the world? Well, I mean, I, I've said on this before that I'm one of the high guys on Anthony Kay, despite his performance earlier in the season. I think he had some rotten luck, but he throws hard. He's got you know, a good mix of pitches to get batters out. And strikeouts haven't been an issue for him. It's just... I think that going through the lineup multiple times has sort of been not great for him to this at this point in his career. So, yeah, he seems to do well. He's exactly the kind of guy who seems to do well for the first couple of innings, and then you know, in my mind, by the fourth, he's up to 80, 85 pitches, and he just can't get those additional outs. So, as a starter, he doesn't go deep enough into the games to really count as a starter. But all those problems go away when you become a reliever. He can he can throw maybe a little harder, as most guys do when when they're not trying to pace themselves. Um, and he's not going to be exposed to that that second or third look from the lineup. So um, 
yeah, the Anthony K experiment uh, may actually be fruitful. But it again, we, like we said, we, we you need more than Anthony K to save this bullpen. Yep. Uh, Randall Grichuk uh, had been doing a, a bang up job for the first two months of the season. Can can you tell me how Randall Grichuk's June is? Did you? Did you, Do you actually, want me to? Did you yeah, anticipate should we give that our, our listeners a warning to turn away because of graphic images or sounds? <laughs> we had to. Um, we had to take out our is so and so an automatic out because he's still on the uh, injured list. I did it. I corrected myself. He's still on the injured list, so we we replaced it with is is Randall Grichuk a pumpkin? <laughs> How's June going? Let me know. So in June, Randall Grichuk is hitting one eighty. Mm. With a 194 on base Woo. and a 377 slugging with 22 strikeouts and one walk. Wow. Wow. And that includes four home runs because he hit three home runs at the beginning of the month. Uh, Randall, 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 Randall. Um, he is, you know, I mean, he's the definition of a streaky hitter, but please de-streakify yourself, son. And he's still hitting fourth, <laughs> of course, because Charlie remembers May. Well, I mean, his last 12 games, he's hitting 163 with a 404 OPS. Still, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And here we are. Sorry, uh, the, we're, we're doing this. We're recording this, of course, on uh, a wonderful Friday night. The Blue Jays are down to the Orioles uh, by a run, and Robbie Ray didn't get out of the fifth. So now we're, uh, we're looking for more than a dozen outside of this bullpen again. 14. That's it's fine. Everything's fine, Josh. I don't know what we were, we were talking about. Uh, <laughs> you want to look up Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s June for me while you're on the page? I guess I can do that. Sure. I, I feel like they keep telling me on the broadcast, but, uh, Pat and Buck and uh, keep reassuring me that Gurriel's turning it around. And then I look at his OPS and it's 650. Yeah. Better than 550, but... So, yeah, in the month of May, Gurriel is hitting 259 with a 293 on base and a 463 slugging. So he actually has been playing a little bit better. It's not the level that we expect of him, but at least it's not useless. Yeah. So marginal improvement. I apologize, Gurriel. It's just my perception, and I'm distracted by your incredible hair that I have no idea how it behaves that way. Yep. Okay. It's better OPS than, than Semyon this month. Wow. Um, okay, the low lights, the lowest of the low, I think. Because <laughs> it's been such a cherry positive podcast at this point. Well, we're, we're going to finish. A, <laughs> we're we're going to finish on a on a on a good note for the the weekly recap. You just got to stay with me. It is the top of the first inning. Marcus Semyon is on third. Bo Bichette is on first, uh, and Vladimir Guerrero. Sorry, is on second. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is at the plate. Is is this to me is the ideal no fail situation for the Blue Jays. This is this is where you want things, how every game should start. I cannot believe that they turn that into a triple play. And I give the Yankees no credit other than just following along with the disaster that the Blue Jays created. Have you ever seen a play? where a team works so hard to make outs on the base pass. It was the first triple play in history that went, whatever it was, one, 
three, six, two, five, six. <laughs> I think that's what it was. It was yeah. terrible. There's nothing else to say. Like it was just really, really bad base running I, all around. It was, ugh, it was so bad. So the ball got hit to King, um, a little squibber, and Marcus Semyon initially broke. Like he was headed, like he broke early, and then he realized how slow it was hit, and he broke back to third. At which point, King turned and threw to first, and Semyon thought. Okay, so up to this point, all of that I'm fine with. But then Semyon thought, I can make it home. And somehow, I think in that process, he forgot Bo Bichette existed. Because every decision he makes after that, none of them work for Bo Bichette. <laughs> well, the problem there is that Bo Bichette at some point has to concede that Semyon is going to be out. Yep. And just go to third base. Yeah. And and he didn't do that. He's he hovered like halfway between second and third, and that's how he got tripled off because he tried to get into third base quickly and got thrown out. It was just like everyone did that poorly except Vlad, who just hit it poorly. Yeah, but the the Semyon, the fact that he went for home again, and then back to third again was like, well, no, you can't. You got to make that out heading for home, so that the ball isn't six inches away from third base at some point when when Bo eventually does whatever. I don't know. There's so much indecision. Um, was just incredible, and, and I think the Blue Jays would have been fine with two outs in that play. Well, they would have been fine with one out in that play, which is what it should have been. But two outs, you could kind of excuse as a bit of a brain fart. But but that was like a manufactured triple play, and I there is a Yankees triple play that looks like that, but. At least it was first and second when the triple play started. There was only one force out in that whole play. It was disgusting. Just just disturbing. Uh, and then the following half inning, I just want to mention that Reese McGuire... Was it Reese McGuire starting last night? Yeah. Reese yep. McGuire tried to throw the ball away, hit the runner, and Bobochette bailed him out, which was the only good thing that happened in that entire inning. I missed that. Yeah, he did, the ball deflected off the runner and somehow Bichette caught the deflection and made the out on um, Brett Gardner. Uh, yeah, I don't know if the Blue Jays can go any further down from here, but I certainly hope not. And who will save them but George Springer? Because he's alive, Josh. He's not just a, a robot running the bases in pregame warmups anymore. No, sir. He's playing games, real yes. baseball games. With with real other baseball players who get paid to do it. And he's standing in the outfield, not just DHing. Yeah, like he like he's playing the whole game. Well, not the whole game. He he got four plate appearances by the fifth inning in his first start. Didn't get any hits, but the rest of the team was hitting pretty well. So he only played to the fifth. Um but he played <laughs> the entire game the next two. So do you think we see George Springer next week? Yeah, I think so. The The manager at AAA, Casey Candeli, I think it is, um, he said that the plan is for Springer to play all of Saturday and Sunday. And then he's going to, then there was no mention of anything, anything after that. And I think that's, he's going to be a Blue Jay on Monday. Assuming there's no setbacks, so like touch some wood. <laughs> so even but, with this bullpen, if the Blue Jays 
can score five or six runs in a game and the starting the starters do what the starters do and allow you know a run or two uh, or you know zero in an ideal situation i think the blue jays can win more than they lose if george springer can lengthen that lineup a bit i really do yeah and this is kind of the dirty little secret about the jays play of, of late you know this idea that it was all the bullpen's fault well I mean, in the in the last game against Boston, they scored one run. In the first game against Boston, they had well, no, I don't blame the offense for that. They, they I saw a stat. It was there were team the four times since the Statcast era, our team has had twenty five hard hit balls. Three of the times the team scored twenty or more runs. The fourth time the Jays scored five. <laughs> and even Boston fans said the Green Monster was entirely responsible for the lack of the Blue Jays being able to score runs there because there, yeah. there were a significant number of home runs. Um, right. but, but, yeah. but back to my original point, like one run against Boston and then two runs against the Yankees in the second game. And here they are against the Orioles and they've got one run on, you know, they didn't get a hit until the fifth inning. So, you know, the offense hasn't been very good. And, the return of Springer could really help change that, especially once Teoscar comes back. And then eventually, if and when Kirk comes back, which should be early next month, this lineup can bail the pitching out. And that just hasn't happened other than that one Red Sox game. Yeah, nine runs every night, baby. Nine runs. All right, we are going to dream of uh, scoring over and over and over and over again. And we're going to come right back with your questions after this. Uh, yes, you you enjoyed part one. Now you've come back for part two. Did did Josh make it back? We'll never know. <laughs> Damn it! I ruined it. <laughs> oh man, you you didn't see him there, did you, folks? Uh you know what? I'm just gonna play the questions thingy. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? We begin with uh, old school emoji Elspeth, uh, who asked post game on Thursday after the loss to the Yankees, one of many. Charlie Montoya very matter of factly said that Aaron Judge taking away that Biggio home run would that would have given a Blue Jays uh, the six three lead didn't change the game because we couldn't stop them. Now she put anyway. Turns out anyway was not in the quote, so we couldn't stop them. She would like our thoughts. Um, at just me ELC about that quote. What do you think about that quote, Josh? You, you're, I think you're about to be charitable here. First off, the old school emojis are called emoticons. But emoticon. um, I thought the emoticons were a transformer. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's just, I think, fatalism from Charlie at this point. I mean, he's right. <laughs> they just couldn't stop the Yankees from scoring because their bullpen is trash. But I don't think I, I don't think he actually means that they didn't make a difference. That the guy robbed a home run that would have given them a six-three lead. It's obviously a totally different game than what it was, which was four-three, I believe. But 
I think it's just yeah, like it's, at some point he has to be like us and just get exasperated with his team's complete inability to hold the lead. And I think that's all that comment was. I think he's just he's frustrated. He's tired of it, despite what he said later on, which we'll get to again. Uh, I, I, I just think that at some point he's just like, like, what do you want me to say? You know, like they suck. Yeah, definitely. He has avoided the these guys suck tirade, which I suppose is to his credit because it would be it would be tempting. Like a tongue in cheek John Gibbons may have said something about the uh, the inability of the team to do the job that he is sending him out there to do. Um, Prairie Jays at Jays Prairie asks in the same vein, what will it take for Charlie to finally snap? Um, I don't know. I think something may have broken inside Charlie already, and he's just smiling. He's gritting his teeth through it. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to this question, so we'll save this, but I'll, I'll get back to it later, my response. All right. Uh, Al, at Ellie Ellie Hart, always the deep and insightful type questions that I don't expect, asks, what would be your scheme to make other teams paranoid that you were cheating or stealing signs? I'll let you go first. Um, wow. Uh, I think, I think I would have everyone, uh, put like, uh, chalk dust somewhere in their uniform. And then when, you know, they just like, I tell them when you're out on the bases, like bang on your knee or on your shoulder or whatever. So the dust really gets stirred up. It's easy to see just to throw people off that there was some kind of sign going on there that there was, you know, something being communicated. That was off the top of my head. Yeah. I like the idea of, uh, of like. When, uh, when the hitter's up with the runner on base, it's like randomly like touching their helmet, looking out at the hit at the runner. So it's like it looks like they're relaying signs. They're just randomly banging crap, like banging the <laughs> ceiling of the dugout, it's just totally randomly. Like, it's just like fastball, bang, 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 change up, bang, bang, bang. It's, it's like they might think you're cheating poorly, but it would really confuse them. <laughs> um. All right, Kevin at Kevin Chase for us. Do you expect the bullpen to turn it around in Baltimore or will they keep the pain train rolling through Maryland? Um, he also, uh, so yeah, we'll do that one first. He has another question, but. Um, well, I, I mean, I expect the Blue Jays bullpen to be better against the Orioles than the Yankees and Red Sox because the Orioles are terrible, but do I expect them to be better? No, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm of the same. I, I think there are going to be runs put on the board. This, this bullpen is not going to be throwing up zeros, even if it is the, or, the Orioles. Uh, Kevin asked, were the Blue Jays fans allowed entry to Solomon Field last series? No one has reported that they were not allowed. Do you have an answer for that one? Well, this is a tongue-in-cheek question because it was entirely full of Yankees fans. You know, but this is what happens when Canadians are not easily allowed to cross the border without quarantining. And Buffalo is just a little drive away from New York City. Well, it's not that little, but it's, you know, it's not that far either. And the state is full of Yankees fans anyway. So, yeah. you know, like this was going to happen. They knew it was going to happen. It's just this way there's at least they get home fans or home-ish fans against everybody except the Yankees. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, this, this is still better than Florida for like four different reasons. Yep. Matthew Corey, friend of the podcast at MattyMatty2000, says, I'd love to hear your collective confidence level in Charlie. Uh, we, we probably are going to have to collect our confidence into a, a, a suitable receptacle so we can see how much there is. Uh, I think we've discussed this a lot, and we're going to discuss it in the do-over. Strategy is the, the part of the game where it's obvious when the manager's losing you a game. 
And the rest of the job, or a good chunk of the job, is not obvious when the manager is doing the things that he's supposed to do, which is managing the personalities of the 12 guys in the clubhouse who hate you and the other half who aren't decided yet. Um, I I can't speak to whether Charlie does that or not, but I I just wish that I could show confidence in the way he um, expressed his... How should I put it? Expressed his feelings after a loss. That to, to actually feel like he was... Uh, anything but just happy-go-lucky and okay and and everything's gonna work out fine if we just stay the course that that's getting on my nerves so my confidence is low that that's necessarily the attitude you want for a team that you're trying to get to the playoffs on the fringes what do you think about confidence yeah i mean you're right in that so nick it's too bad nixon here on the podcast because he's obviously more confident and mature than we are but the so this is, I said I was going to come back to this question, but what's going to make him crack? I think that constantly having to be positive is having its effect on him because in the last after their last blown game against the Yankees, where they got swept when they led every single game in the seventh inning, he said, "You know, we're working hard, we're taking our practice, batting practice, and whatever, we're having fun." And it was so disingenuous. Like it's you just look at the players' face. You look at Charlie Montoya's face. They're not having fun. They're really down. Like they're really depressed about the way that things have gone lately. And it's just, I think say, saying things like that makes people less confident in you. Even whereas clearly he's trying to just like put a positive spin on his, so he's not throwing his team under the bus, even though that's where they belong. <laughs> or at um, least some of them do. Yeah. The bullpen, especially, but it just it's hard to be confident in someone who is lying to you obviously and you like he's it's not even hidden like it's very clear what he's saying isn't true so you know i i don't think he needs to be fired or anything like that like some people and i know you don't think that either yeah, but i don't not. think he's a great manager and i don't think that the emotional aspect of it is very good for the fan base right now so before we go any further, um, I agree with with that. Uh, Dave Church uh, asks, what do you think Charlie Montoyo is good at? It does seem like his positive personality would play well if the bullpen wasn't cursed slash garbage right now. So what do I think Charlie Montoyo is good at? Um, I think he's probably good at everything that a minor league manager, like a career minor league manager, is good at. And that would be putting aside the frustrations of the individual day-to-day ups and downs because of how much failure occurs in baseball and focusing on individual players and the things that he can do to help them succeed. I expect he's actually very good at that because that's the skill set that gets you um, gets you a good reputation in AAA. And from all in- for all intents and purposes, he had a very good reputation as a AAA manager. Yeah, and you know, the thing is like that stuff that you're talking about and being even keeled and not getting too high or low, which apparently is something that Jay's value. Like these are things that matter. Right? And these are the things that are part of the the manager's job that we never see. And that's why it's hard to say a man should be fired when he's not a good tactician, because he's not a good tactician. And I don't know, like I I don't know how valuable one thing is or the other. So but yeah, I agree that those are the things he seems to be good at. 
Um, I asked for no questions about the triple play. Um, and our Andrew Arnold at Arnie underscore 1981 asked, what if the question is just in form of a crying emoji? Uh, yeah, I, I still don't have any answers. I mean, you can you can ask that way, but <laughs> that could apply to a lot of things right now. Yeah, it's actually it's crying emojis all the way down until the Blue Jays win about four in a row. And then I might feel better. Uh, that is all the questions, is it not? That's it. No special email questions this week. So we shall uh, move along a little bit or a lot. It is time for me to find the correct button for the do over. Uh, because I think Strong Bad totally belongs here. All right. What would I do different? <laughs> well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few, let's call them Stananks, that could be worthy of a do-over. Yeah. What, what, what would you do different, Charlie Montoyo? What would you do different? Um, you set it up, Josh. Our, our bullpen situation. Yeah. So... There have been a lot of complaints about Charlie Montoya's bullpen management. And for the most part, aside from the Tyler Chatwood game that we argued about with Nick and we were right on a previous <laughs> podcast. Sorry, Nick, but you know, we're not going to change our opinion on that one. Um, of course, I think I'm right. If I wasn't, I wouldn't argue it. But yeah, I think that for the most part, it's just been the bullpen has been bad. I think you would generally agree with that. I think that any any mistake he has made that was questionable has been magnified by it immediately blowing up in his face. Yes. Yeah, because the bullpen sucks. The one that caused some issue recently was when against I think it was against Boston in the last game of the Boston series, the Jays were it was one one going into the bottom of the ninth inning in Boston, and rather than go to Romano to face the two, three, four hitters for the Red Sox. They went with Dolis, who immediately, with the help of some defensive issues from Kevin Biggio, gave up the win. Like, they lost. And a lot of people are saying, why not use Romano there? And I, I'm not going to blame him for going to Dolis. I think Romano would have been better, but, you know, it's it's a tie game in the, you know, on the road against the, the best hitters in the team. And, like, they're going to beat most pitchers like they're just really well not most but they're really good hitters it was a quote afterwards that it's a do-over montoyo said that jordan romano was available and coming in if they got a lead this is from scott mitchell's twitter he pointed out that is what a closer is for oh boy <laughs> so i guess we could open with no it's not <laughs> damn you was it Jerome Holtzman who invented the save? Damn you for ruining the way pitchers should be used. I tweeted this at the time. I wish, I just wish someone would sit a manager down and say, when the other team is in a walk-off situation, so not, not in the eighth inning or prior, if you give up a run, you lose. <laughs> if you have the lead and you give up a run, you get to keep playing. It is higher <laughs> leverage when the game is tied. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, they always go, well, if if we had a lead. And I always want to go, but you don't. <laughs> and you need to give your team the chance to get one. 
So what's the best way to give your ch team a chance to get that lead? Would be to get to the next inning. And the only way to do that is to give up the lowest number of runs possible, zero. And the best way to do that is to use your best pitcher. pitcher. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I had no problem, well, no real problem with going to Dolis in general. But And if he'd said, like, you know, he wanted to give Romano another day because he'd had some arm soreness earlier in the week or, you know, he just liked the matchup with Dolis, which would have been wrong, but, like, at least I could understand it. But that reasoning is just so wrong and old-fashioned. And then, like, two days later, Romano's pitching in the eighth of a tie game. It's like, well, I guess he took Someone, his do-over. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll say that he took it if that's what's happening. So here's the part that I can't figure out about that, that thing is he, the Jays lost a game earlier when they were the home team in which the road team scored, what was it, seven runs in the 11th or 12th inning? Against Tampa. Against Tampa. So effectively, Charlie was in a position on the opposite side of that ball where, oh, you could put just about anybody in in the bottom of the inning. You don't necessarily need a closer if you score enough runs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, like it never processed that, oh, when your team scores, it's, there's, there's no rule that says they only score one run to help you out. If you if you burnt your closer, that doesn't mean you need your closer. You watched it happen to you. You got slaughtered in extra innings. Uh, you could do the slaughtering. It's possible. So it's weird. It's just like as long as as long as he's learned that that probably is not the best way to uh, strategically do that, we will give him credit for the do over. We'll see what happens the next time. There's a tie game. And Jordan Romano was available. Yeah. All right. Well, we have uh, puttered on through and approached the part of the podcast that is nearest the end. And I say to ye, do ye have a final thought? Yeah. So I just briefly alluded to a second ago how in that game, Biggio, his defense cost them both of their runs that scored, actually, in that game. Boston were scored as a result of Biggio misplays. And... He's hitting much better. Like he's actually season line is pretty good now. And it's more what we expected of Kevin Biggio. But his defense at third or in the shift at second, actually partially in that game hasn't improved. He's, he's just not a good third baseman and the backup third baseman are no better. I mean, Joe panic was so bad in that one game that he made Ross Stripling lose his mind. <laughs> Which is and, was really weird. <laughs> yeah, and credit to Ross Stripling for apologizing because you know, like it was, you, you don't show up your teammates like that, even unless you're John Lackey or Carlos Zambrano, and you can get away with it somehow. They still shouldn't have done it. But there's a guy in the minors named Kevin Smith, who was a decent enough prospect, and he had a really good year in 2017, and then an even better year. In 2018, and then he was terrible in 2019, like just completely awful, struck out all the time, and then went up to the Arizona Fall League and struck out even more. Struck out 38 times in 68 at-bats in the Arizona Fall League. This year, after apparently having a good good showing at the alternate site last year, he's hitting 287 with a 393 on base and a 598 slugging for Buffalo. Again, Trenton. I think that 
the team should probably be taking a look at having him on the roster and moving him to third base. He's a shortstop by trade, but he's played all over the diamond. Find out what you got because you, the, the Springer will improve some of the defense, but they need to improve the infield defense too. That'll help mitigate the pitching issues. Yeah, because not all of these, you know, not every single thing that has happened has been uh, some guy going yard off of a, a pitcher or someone walking in a run. There have been what you alluded to and not necessarily errors. Balls trickle through the infield. Uh, like tonight, there was there was Semyon, who should be perfectly good, but double clutching on a throw to not turn a very easy double play. Like, if, if you can tighten that up a little bit and find an out here or there, those problems compound. So, yeah, well, why not see what you've got in Kevin Smith? Maybe, maybe they're waiting for the moon to line up with Venus or something. Yeah. Do I have a final thought? Uh, my final thought is that the, the game that the Blue Jays won handily in the afternoon in Boston is in, with 18 runs on, was it seven homers? Eight. Okay, eight homers. Uh, the most ever hit by an opponent in Boston. I mean, just inject that directly into my veins, please. <laughs> <laughs> Could I have more than this? That instead of uh, Kevin Biggio and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. striking out against Tanner Scott, whoever the heck that is, um, to, to start off the uh, seventh inning. Like, they know... That that it's there the the power the the uh, ability to get on base everything is there. Just please put it together often enough that you're going to cover over for the bullpen, you know, to to, to make it decent. None of this repeated, uh, you know, two or three pitch at bats that end in strikeouts or soft groundouts. That's all I want for Christmas or possibly my birthday, which is July fourth. Blue Jays, thank you. All right, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and this, this has been episode number 209 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we will talk at you, hopefully in a better mood, next week. Mm-hmm.